No, you're good. Hi, brothers and sisters. Welcome to uh, Come Follow Me, Gospel Doctrine, whatever it's called. We don't have any introductory stuff, so I get to just talk all I want. Hooray. Um, so today's lesson is a great one. It's the Signs of the Times uh, lesson. So I thought I would start out with Militant Islam, How to Make Bullets, and Food Storage, because I thought those would be really good topics. So, but maybe, maybe I'll stick to the lesson, but if we have time, I will come back to those topics. Actually, I thought if there's any lesson that we like to speculate on, it's this one, and it is fun. It, again, I have about two hobbies. One of them is gossip, and the second one is speculation. It's true, it's true. So, um, so this is right up my alley. Actually, actually, in all honesty, um, this is a lot of material to go through, and it's one that we cover frequently, but we might not put them together like the lesson did, and they did a fantastic job, and come follow me doing that. So today we'll do um, Joseph Smith, Matthew, and then, but it's really Matthew 24 and 25, and then we could potentially do Mark 12 and 13, Luke 21. They're the same stories told in the other Gospels with some slight variation, a little less detail in Mark and Luke. So um, because there's so much to go through, we probably won't do those others. So in your own study, if you want to come there, contrast, that's where it is, but, um, but that's kind of the idea, all right? So Joseph Smith, Matthew, the first thing we need to decide is, where is that book in, in um, your scriptures? Well, if it's online, it's easier to find. Um, but it's, it's in the Pearl Great Price. So uh, it is in the Pearl Great Price after um, Moses and after Abraham right before you get to Joseph Smith history. So there's a translation of Matthew 24. So instead of being at the bottom of your little footnotes, if you're in the printed version, for Joseph Smith translation, uh, the whole thing was kind of a retranslation. So it's here, by the way. So if you want to go there, that's where we'll spend the time. And then we'll jump back out to Matthew 25. Good? Boy, that was like a party dampener because we're having so much good chatter and now it's just like and the end um so all right um signs of the times signs of the times if i were teaching a class okay here's a multiple choice multiple choice quiz for you multiple choice if if we were doing a quiz or a, a multiple choice of how the signs of the times what they're kind of like an analogy of why the lord gave them um they would be a, I had to write this down, A, just a pop quiz that would come sometime in the course of the semester. You would never know. <clears throat> pop quiz. Sign, the signs are coming. Or B, the signs of the time are something that would uh, be analogous to a project that's just due at the very end of the semester for your class. So there's this project, and this, the, but again, this is an analogy of what the signs are like, okay? Or it's not at the end of the semester, Option C, there's a project due, but it's just sometime in the semester, but I'm not telling you when, right? right? It's going to come. Um, it, or there's no project at all, and nothing's due. Just do your best. Any, any ideas of what the signs of the time are most like if, if our lives were a semester of school with a project? Pop quiz? Anybody going for the pop quiz? 
Okay, good. Is there uh, all the above? No, that was wrong. <laughs> That's wrong. That's wrong. Well, I've had classes like that, so right. Yes, so um, project due at the end of the semester, right? We know what the project is and you know the due date. Is that what it's like? No. No, not like that either, right? Project due sometime. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. The last one, though, was no project, nothing matters, just do your best. Yeah, there's never a class like that, actually. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's C, right? And think about it like this. If you're taking a class, and we've all been students, right? We've all been students at some point. Some of us are still students. If you're a student, which, which do you learn the most from? And why? You can now answer that part. But if you're taking, if there's a project due, and let's say a project, something that has a lot of complex parts to it, right? It's not just a paper, it's something complex. What do you learn the most on? Something that's just a pop quiz and you're like, I don't know, I memorized a bunch of random things, I hope it works out. No. How about something that you knew at the end of the semester? Meaning, if you're like me, you procrastinated it until the last day, you jammed it in, and then you can't remember even the day after you turn it in what it was, right? Option B. Or something that maybe you work on early, and then you keep working on it, and working on it, and working on it, you get kind of into it, and then you're like, wow, this is good. I've really crafted something great. And so whenever the teacher calls for it, I'm good to go, right? So which one? Oh, Alan. <laughs> which one? So the teacher is going crazy right now. Can I, can I add a little stipulation to see? Yeah. What if the teacher gives you the syllabus at the beginning and says, watch for these things to happen through the course because that means your project, project is, is be getting good. closer. Okay, so we can just beat this metaphor to death. Because I, I like yeah. that, right? Because all of a sudden, works. Yeah, you're all like, sudden now I'm learning and I'm like, whoa, I saw that happen. Right. right? I'm going to put that and, in my project. And I'm going to, yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like I, the project's getting closer, like yeah. due date's getting closer, right? Yeah. So exactly. now all of a sudden I've got the syllabus. Yeah. Everyone missed that concept, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the syllabus that's saying, hey, heads up, project due date's coming closer. It's coming closer. Oh, I saw, oh, it must be closer, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like the teacher, when I wear a blue tie, the project might heads be up, due, right? right? Yeah, right. When, I, when I bring in, you know, donuts, the project's going to be due, and you're like, he's wearing a blue tie, and he brought in donuts, right? I better hustle on my project. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good analogy. Um, that is what the signs of the time are like, right? They're something that's going to help us prepare, and, and, but they're kind of general. So we'll get into them uh, today. Yeah, Kate. So the, the issue I have with that, though, is in a way, is it a project that it's a new day? Is it something we have to do for You know, sometimes it's like we get all worked up about, um, well, we've got to be prepared for the signs sometimes. It's like, I have a higher probability of dying tomorrow and need to meet my maker than worrying about the end of the uh, world. So your project was due. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, project due don't I need might to be just worry about this every day as yeah. opposed to what's happening in the world? Yeah, I agree. And, and in fact, I think you're on exactly the right track. The reason for the signs of the times are so that we don't fear and we don't worry. And they're definitely not something that we you know, try to put together, or try to figure it out. And the Lord's very specific on that. There'll be a lot of people that'll say, hey, the end is near, I figured it out. It's the Inc or no, the uh, Aztec calendar, Mayan, cal Mayan calendar was ending in 2012 and it's here. Well, it was close. I missed it totally. But I mean, or, I mean, anybody who's ever said this is when it is has been disappointed, right? I mean, right, every single one. And he says that, he says, there'll be a lot of people that'll tell you this is when the end is. And they'll be wrong. 
And, and he says, who knows exactly when he comes again? Just the Father, not even the angels. So, so nobody knows, so knock it off. That's not what it's about. So we'll look today at why we do have this, why the, the disciples were asking the questions, etc. So, so that's kind of where we are today. So I want to um, show you something. This, um, t- Matthew 24 and 25, is sometimes called the Olivet Discourse. Anybody know why? Olivet. All, Olivet. Little Olive Discourse, the Olivet Discourse. Anybody know? Uh, we didn't even know it was called that, so we don't know why it's called that. Anybody? No? You've never heard that? Am I the only one that's ever heard that? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. A plus. Yeah, it was a good guess, but still right. Pop quiz. So, yeah, um, if you look at it, almost the entire two chapters are Jesus speaking. He is giving a, a long discourse, and there are just a few times when the disciples, um, namely Peter, James, and John, in the middle of it, will speak, but the most of it is given by Jesus, right? And this is all in the last week of his life, and it is um, him speaking about being prepared, and we're going to talk about that today, and also it's given on the Mount of Olives. Get it? So it's also what we call... um, Apocryphal literature. Apocryphal. I, I, I have no idea what I'm talking about up there. It's not. It's apocalyptic. You didn't even. You didn't even know the difference. Don't pretend like you can tease me about that. Apocalyptic meaning it's revealing, right? It's a, an unveiling, right? The Book of Revelation is an unveiling. It's the apocalypse. It's in seeing into something else. So it's one of the few pieces of literature that we have. Lehi's Dream, Book of Revelation, Book of Daniel, Book of Ezekiel. You know, all the weird ones, right? Um, and this one is going to talk about some of those as well. So just know if you want to do a little study of Jewish apocalyptic um, literature, this is a good place to go um, as well. Okay, yes? Wait, cool. you said Jewish? Yeah, Jewish apocalyptic literature. Okay. As opposed to... Christianity. Well, Christianity doesn't exist yet. So, okay. yeah. Not in this time, right? I mean, most of these, Daniel, Ezekiel, um, even Lehi. Well, it is, but his church, right? He's still established church. Okay. First century Christianity, apocalyptic literature. But that is definitely a style of writing, and it's not one we're very familiar with. It's an odd style. It's one that's going to be like, I don't really get it. It's weird, it's creepy, there's usually animals that are flying, and guides speaking, and angels, and, and it's, it's awesome stuff. But it is a unique style of literature that we don't have today. So usually we read it, and we kind of miss it. So if you, just FYI, it's a little bit helpful if you want to do that. But not apocryphal, that's different. So, okay, good so far? Let's jump in. And see what's happening. So I want to go to Matthew. Um, well, let's go to Joseph Smith, Matthew. So does anybody have uh, Joseph Smith, Matthew? So before this, contextually what's happening is Jesus is he's coming to the temple. So he's, you know, here's Lori's version. 
This is the Sea of Galilee up here, right? And like Nazareth, Nazareth out here, Tiberias, Bethsaida, Capernaum's up there. And then the River Jordan, Dead Sea's down here, Jerusalem's down here. This is about 90 miles far. Jesus does most of his ministry in the north or in the south? Correct, in the north. He's in the north almost the entire time, right? He's not preaching at the temple. He's not preaching in Jerusalem. He comes down a number of times. Um, in one version, he comes down. In John, he comes down three times. And Matthew only comes down now. Okay? So he spends most of his time up here where he grew up. It's the Utah County of Israel. It's true. I have nothing good to say about that. <laughs> Being a scribe and a Pharisee myself, I appreciate Salt Lake. All right. That's an analogy. That's true. <laughs> okay. So he lives up here. This right here is Nazareth, by the way. That's my dot for Nazareth. Okay. So down here, he's down in Jerusalem. So he's come down. We've just had the triumphal entry. Well, he comes into the temple. He cleanses the temple, right? He's in charge. He cleanses the temple. He does the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And then we've just had the head-to-head -head battle with each of the major groups, right? And they're trying to trap him and tra trick him. So he goes through the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He goes through the Herodians. I mean, there's, and it lists them like one by one. It's like, and then the Sadducees came and said, really, what about this? And then the Pharisees come and say, well, what about paying tribute? And they're all trying to trap him. But you did your study, right? Okay, so just context. So this is what has been happening. And now he's at the temple. They're looking at it together, he and his disciples, okay? And this is the last time he will be there. This is the last time in his mortal ministry he will be at the temple, um, except for parts of the trial nearby. Okay, so he's gonna go out, and this is the last time. And as they're looking at it, do you guys know um, what the temple was like? Was it known for was it kind of small? Was it big? Was it beautiful? Was it architecturally awesome? Was it like good for Israel but not good in the rest of the world? Does anybody know kind of what the temple's reputation was? Yeah. Well, Herod was apparently such a great architect and it mm -hmm. was named after him. Yeah, he course. named it after himself. Yeah, so that's Herod. It had to have been a great and spacious building. It was. It was. It was known as like one of the seven wonders of the ancient world mm -hmm. to them. It was amazing. It was beautiful, it was huge. They said you could see it from way far off and it was like snow. It was all this white building, it was like snow on the Temple Mount. And so they're there and there's these archways and gold and white alabaster, it's awesome. And they're looking at it and they're saying, look at this temple edifice. As you would, right? It's like, this is amazing. This is amazing and um, and then somebody read for me, Joseph Smith, Matthew, uh, two. Because they're saying, isn't this awesome? Isn't the temple beautiful? Isn't it like structurally awesome? And then he answers this. Somebody read for me, Joseph Smith, Matthew, two. Please, Michelle. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to hear him, saying, Master, show us concerning the buildings of the temple, as thou hast said. They shall be thrown down and left unto you desolate. <laughs> yeah. So they, they're like, well, we leave and we go across. And then they're like, so Jesus, and I think it's Mark that says it's Peter, James, and John. 
but it's, they come to him and they're like, so tell us about that part that you said that we were looking at the temple and you said that the whole thing would be destroyed? Like, where, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, let's chat, right? Let's chat. And he says the whole thing is gonna be out. So here they are on the Mount of Olives and he's gonna say, he says, yeah. Um, somebody have verse three? And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things, and do ye not understand them? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here upon this temple one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Um, can you imagine being at Jesus' feet? You're like, hey, I have a question. What? That's the dumbest question I've ever heard. Have you not understood what we've been talking about? That's why I asked the question, right? <laughs> He's tough. Jesus is tough, right? You're like, yeah, clearly I have no idea what we're talking about, but that's kind of my state all the time. Um, and he says, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm, okay, I'll be clearer. Not one stone will be left on top of each other. Now, for a Jewish man or someone as a follower, let's say they were a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, and they said, hey, the temple here and the Salt Lake Temple, they'll all be completely destroyed one day. What would you think of that person? Blasphemer, right? You're like, that's terrible. What? And the center of Jewish religion, right, is the temple. And here he is saying not even one stone, and they're huge, huge blocks. Not even one is going to be on top of each other. How would that be received? Not well is correct. And if that is one of the issues that come up in his trial, right? So we're saying you are claiming that God isn't supreme, that we aren't on top of things, that this is just shocking. And so they don't say that's crazy, that's not going to happen to their great testimony building. They say this, they say, um, they ask two questions. Let's look at verse four and they ask two questions and then the answers are these signs of the times. So these are the two questions that the signs are going to be answered to. Who has verse four? Joseph Smith, Matthew, please. Tell me your name again. Lars. Lars. Welcome, Lars. Thank you. And your daughters can be way louder. Oh, There's like yeah. four primary students. She really wants to go up and talk and sing. She all the can. Time, so she probably will sometimes. <laughs> and I think it would be better if she did. Okay. Okay. So she's invited to right. standing invitation by me. Okay. <laughs> all right. Verse four. Thanks, Lars. Hit us. And Jesus left them and went upon the Mount of Olives. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying. Tell us when these things shall be, which thou hast said concerning the destruction of the temple and the Jews. What is the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world, or the destruction of the wicked, which is the end of the world? <laughs> Did you catch the two questions? I looked down, but you were supposed to be listening. Okay, what was the first question? They come to him privately. This is Peter, James, and John. And they're like, what was the first question, verse 4? Yeah, when? So they don't say that's not going to happen or what are you talking about, right? They believe Jesus and they say, when? When is that going to happen, Jesus? Tell us. And then what was the second question? And then there's always this idea, right, of the signs of, of the great entry in the, and they're not thinking this is going to necessarily be separate, right? Because if this, if the temple is going to be destroyed, then the end must be near. So they're, to them, it's coming together. But they're like, okay, well, when is this going to happen? And so therefore, the follow-up question would be, so when is the end? 
And he's going to answer a third bonus question, which is the question they should have asked. Anybody? What does chapter 25 answer? Well, in, on the second one, it's almost a two-part. It is. It is. You're right. What, what were the two parts? So when are you going to come? Right. When are you going to come? And then when is the end of the world? And Yeah. Okay. Good. So it could be three. I'm going to write it as two. When my instructor asked me, I answered three, and he said two. And I've done the same thing to you that he did to me. Okay. So you're in good company. Like my, my project wasn't done. Oh. Question number three, what does the, yeah, Tom? Uh, so there's, a, there's kind of an important distinction there on that question, yeah. right? Yeah. And the, the, the distinction is, is what are you going to come? And then when is the destruction of the wicked? which is the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. And, and so this notion of the end of the world was qualified. Yeah. When is the destruction when of the wicked? The destruction of the wicked. Yeah, okay, we'll co let's come back to that. Remind me, okay. we'll come back to that. You're right. Now, I think for them, as for us, we lump some things together. We have an understanding of then and the end of times and all kinds of things that we've picked up. And please never read the Left Behind series that is awesome waste of time that I have spent. Um, they all get sucked up and the planes crash. It's super weird. Um, but there are all these end time things and, and, and so sometimes we have these cultural assumptions that we don't necessarily have in the scriptures. Okay? And we do it to being members of the church. Right? We have these um, kind of cultural assumptions and things. We're not really sure where we learn them, but we all know them. right? Um, I'm going to have to be washing dishes in a bucket somehow in my basement. That's why we have food storage, right? We, we just know that. <laughs> what, right? Be prepared means wash without solar power. I don't know where we make these connections. You might be right, I do not have a bucket in my basement. So I am clearly not prepared that way. But we have those as they did then. And then uh, some of these they thought would come together. Okay. The wicked will be destroyed, the end of the world, and now it's going to be the time when the righteous are come, heaven and earth are recombined, it's back to the Garden of Eden, and all will be set right. right? So these awesome members of the church, heaven and earth, we're back. That's what they're looking for. Heaven will be restored, and all those wicked will be cast off. That's the end that they're looking for. Right? That they will be reunited. Basically a new heaven and a new earth, a new Garden of Eden. Right? Everything will be set right. That's what they're thinking. We're, for, we're storing food. But they were thinking that all will be set right. Okay, so some different things. The third question, though, that Christ answers that they did not ask, which you'll see the answer to is all of chapter 25. Anybody pick it up? What is he answering? Not when is it happening and what are the signs, but... Patty. I think in 25, he's teaching us... Um, oh, shoot, now I forgot what I was going to say. Just a minute. Okay. This happens when you get my age. Or it's a stupid thought. <laughs> He's answering how to prepare. Ah, that's exactly right. Thank you. Okay. Well, I wrote apocryphal on the board, so there you go. Prepare. He's saying, more importantly, you should have asked not when is it going to happen and not how do we know, but what do we do to prepare? How do we be ready if my project is due? And I'm not sure when exactly. And in fact, Jesus says uh, in Matthew, it's verse 40. I just know it's verse 40. And he's like, well, no one knows, right? So nobody knows. So 
then I better be prepared, right? I better get my project ready to go. Well, what, what's the syllabus? What am I supposed to be preparing? And that's what he's gonna answer in chapter 25, okay? So the three questions are here. Now he kind of sometimes jumps a little bit between the questions, except in 24, okay? But, um, but just know that is what the story is. Good to go? There's too much material to do this in like 35 minutes. We've gotten to verse four. Oh well, should we just give up or can we plow on? Okay, we'll plow on. Patty says we have to continue. Okay, so um, verses, sorry, I know the Matthew just a little bit better. Um, but one through f- uh, four, uh, it's like four through 14 um, it is, you see mostly is the times of the Jews. What's gonna happen then? Because it's the destruction of the temple the first time. It's the, um, the abomination of desolation. There might be parallels in our days, but for sure we know that that's what he was warning them of. Right? When is this temple going to be destroyed? And he says in a generation. What is a generation? Do you guys know? It's this amount of time that the uh, Israelites wandered around. Remember? Because you had to kill off a generation. 40 years. Yeah. 40 years. Jesus dies in... What, what year does Jesus die in? 33? Does, um, yeah, roughly 33. When does the temple get, when does the war for Jerusalem? 70, yeah, it starts in 66, and the, and the temple is destroyed in 80, 70. Within 40 years. That's pretty good prophecy. Especially when you're using terms like a generation. Eh, more or less, right? More or less. So he says, this will all happen within a generation. And it does. It does, right? So they have chosen, instead of choosing the peaceful path of Jesus, they uprise against Rome, right? And they pick, and they fight, and they, um, they you'd think, oh, they're freedom fighters, and they're completely destroyed, uh, never to be really the same until, what, 1947? 1947, um, and still not really the same, right? So they are completely destroyed within a generation. So he says, when is this going to happen within a generation? And then he describes um, in these chapters the, the terrible events that will happen. Does anybody want to go through any of those? All right, good. Sucks to be them. Okay. More importantly, what's going to happen to us? Um, I, I want to do one note. Uh, the word, when you see the word then in these verses... It's, it, it's not a time, it doesn't mean time it, from the Greek. It doesn't mean like, and then this will happen, and then that will happen, okay? It's just, all, uh, it's just a transition, like also, okay? Um, it's just and, okay? So don't read those and start to put a timeline together and go, well, then this happens, and then that happens. That is an incorrect assumption of this because I kept trying to do that myself. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And the timeline gets wonky, so don't do what I did. I didn't get an A on this project, so um, sign your terms. Okay, let's jump on a little bit. And let's go on to, let's go to 22. Oh no, let's do 23. So Matthew, uh, Joseph Smith, Matthew, 23. Does anybody have that? Behold, I speak these things unto you for the elect's sake, and you also shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all I have told you must come to pass, but the end is not yet. 
Okay, awesome. You should like narrate a book, by the way. He's got the best voice, right? We should just have him do all the scriptures and then it came to pass. If I listen to myself, it's all nasal and weird. So I'm never doing a book. Okay, so he says, I, I'm a, here's the reason why I'm telling you all this. Here's the reason. Did you catch what it was? Yeah. What? He says to be not troubled. Yeah, so that you don't freak out and it's not worrisome. Is that usually what we do when we start talking about signs of the times? No, I don't. When I talk about signs of the times, it freaks me out and I start hoarding food, right? And wondering if gold bullion is where I should put my cash, right? Am I the only one? If I start getting like, oh no, you know, the water supply or who knows, some crazy thing and anything on the news, I really start getting like a little bit of a panic. I notice that I'm like, oh, I gotta reduce this. I better figure out that. My idea, my idea to sell firearms and tobacco might not be my best end time plan, right? Yeah, yeah. I told you, ATF is my plan. Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. The rest of you are hoarding food, and I will be changing, exchanging for you. Um, if so, but he's telling us, Lori, don't be afraid. I'm not telling you these things so that you freak out. I'm telling you these things why? So that you can prepare that you can prepare. Let's look, I want this side of the room to look at verse 18, and you're gonna look at, is it verse 18? I, I'm, there are two sections, no, that's still not right. I, I want you guys to look at two sections, two analogies that the Lord's give, gonna give to these disciples over how you know when it's coming, how you know when the end is coming, and he's gonna give two analogies. And the first one I wrote down was verse 18, and the second one was, no, but those don't look right. This is why you don't write notes. Could be. No, let's do 26. Uh, it is. Okay, here it is. 26. Look up first 26. And then this side over here, you guys look up 38 and 39. And it's what, um, what are the comparisons that the Lord is teaching us about the end days? When are they coming? And then what does it teach us? So 26 and then... 38 and 39. If they don't make sense, let me know. No, that's right. Okay, let's go backwards. 38 and 39. What was the parable that he says? This is how you know when it's coming. Uh, what was it? What's the point of a fig tree? Yeah, and do you guys know how fig trees work? The fig trees, um, they get their leaves in summer. And the leaves show up first, and when the, they're really big and leafy, it, um, I'm sure you've seen pictures of fig leaves. But they're huge, right? They're these huge green leaves. And then when you know the leaves have come, you know the fruit's there, even though you can't see it. So when you see a fig tree blooming, you know the fruit's there, okay? That's the analogy. So what's, what's the point here? When my elect, when they see these things, and he lists the wars and the rumors of wars and all those things, right? What, what will they know? It's close. It's close, right? Okay. It's at the door. But do you know exactly when the fruit's going to be ripe? No, but you know it's close, right? It's close. It's close. Okay. How about you guys? What, what analogy was in the other one in um, uh, 26? Okay, so what's the analogy of what's it physically telling us about? Well, 
the sunrise. Yeah, it's coming in the sunrise. Okay. No, that was okay. The tone sounded wrong. Sorry. You're good. The light. I think of a sunrise like it's it's actually pretty gradual at first. Mm-hmm. The the light kind of diffuses everywhere. But then when the sun's up, it's oh, it's there. Yeah. It is, and, but can you tell exactly when the sun's going to rise? Not really. Not really. You know it's getting closer, it's getting closer. Lighter, 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 boom. But you're not like, I got up in the morning and I can see it kind of getting light. Oh, must be at 5.36 today, right? <laughs> yeah, Marilyn. I mean, I have done a little bit different. Yeah. The sun will rise. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's still coming. Right. So, yeah, um, let's go over here and then we'll swing back around. Um, I saw in connection with 25 okay. a little bit where there's kind of uh, kind of some whispers, hey, hey, Christ came over here. Come uh-huh. gather over here, like secret chambers, right? Like yeah. you'll see Christ over here versus what it looks like to have a sunrise. And it's like everyone knows when the sun's rising. Yes. Right? Like that's sunrise. Right. There's so, no question. Right, like the, sun the, was the, the day sun. that Christ comes is a, is a little bit more of a, oh yeah, everyone noticed yeah. that one. Cause every every the, the initial bow, you know, right? And every time it's not like, well, we think it was him. It's or he not, came and we didn't tell you. Yeah, come over here. Okay, good. And there definitely are people that think, oh, he's come. All you have to do is watch a Netflix documentary. <laughs> There's a guy in Russia right now. Yep. It's good watching. Yep. So, <laughs> good use of your time. Uh, Patty, you had a thought? Same thing. Alan shared it. Okay, and then. That's exactly what I was thinking. Okay, you guys said, oh. <laughs> well, it must be true, because by the voice of 19 witnesses. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, even the prophet, President Nelson, mentioned in his last talk at General Conference, all he said was, time is running out. Now, that doesn't mean that we all get worried and go running out and doing all these other things. In preparation, all he said is that time is running out. I think we can tell by the signs of the times right. in our generation, maybe, maybe we're close. Well, see, well, he's told us it's close. I do like Dave's point that for some of us, it will be closer than others. Right. right? So it's coming either way, right? Whether it's coming for everyone at the same time or we pass, it's, it's coming. Okay. Let's move on because we only have a few minutes. If you want to graph out the signs of the times and whenever, we will do that again in Doctrine and Covenants two years from now. Okay. Um, uh, it's it's kind of confusing. I mean, and, and some of them, I will just give you this thing that I think has helped me. Take it for what it's worth. Yes, I think a lot of these are literal, but I think we miss something if we do not look at some of them as spiritual. It says the sun will darken, the moon will... All of the, the lights of the heaven will go dim, right? And sometimes we'll be like, it's a volcano, and it's an I don't know what, right? Um, but I think sometimes we forget that there might be something spiritual there too, a spiritual symbol that we can say today. Yes, those things that used to give light to the world don't anymore, right? So just know that, uh, that I think there's something to be gained from looking at them, literally, yes, but don't forget that we can also look at those signs spiritually and with some symbolism. Okay, so give them a run that way.
the sun will always rise. Yeah, there's no darkness so great. I like that too. Well, that's great. If we had less time, I would end there. Okay. Um, let's go to Matthew 25, though, because I think this last section of what we do to prepare is probably more important. So if we don't know when it is, and we don't know exactly what's going on, um, we get that it's going to be some crazy things. Okay, well, how do we prepare? And he tells three parables. Yeah. I just, before you start 25, yeah. in 24-11, um, it says, but if we remain as steadfast and is not overcome, the same shall we be saved. And, and I think about that. I think, okay, if we're doing everything, you know, we're trying our hardest. We're going to be okay, you know, but if we're just kind of going, oh, it's way out there, or it's, it's going to happen. Or I don't believe it's going to happen at all. But maybe... Not, you know. Yeah. So I mean, just being steadfast. Being steadfast. Okay. I like that. And we'll be saved. Yeah, saved. Not just like it'll work out alright. Saved. Yeah. Saved. Awesome. Good. Good connection. So look at Matthew 25. There are three parables told here. There's a fourth not parable that's in the readings. The widow's mite. The widow's mite is not a parable. It's a real story. So don't get that confused. Sometimes you'll hear the parable of the widow's mite. That poor widow. This was not a parable. That was a real widow with like more than she had, right? Two cents. So that's the other story. But Matthew 25 doesn't tell that story. They have three parables. What are they? Ten virgins. Good. What else? The talents. Yeah. Sheep and goats. We will not have time, obviously, to go through all of them. Which one do you want to cover briefly? Sheep and goats? No. <laughs> Talents? Yes? No? Ten virgins. Well, if we can talk about virgins in the class, we should. No. Really? Is that what you want to do? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. They, they kind of tell the same conclusion, FYI. So, okay. So how does the story go? Somebody tell it to us. You did your reading because you're doing Come Follow Me, among your many other things. How does it go? It's a story, it's a parable, right? It's a parable. So who are the characters? There are the 10 virgins. Who else? The bridegroom. Okay, any other elements of the story we wanna outline? There's, oh, so there are five and five. Okay. What? There's a feast, right? Good. There's a door, good. There are these lamps and oil. Any light, right? Darkness. Anything else? Did we get most of them? What about what about um, the ten versions? Uh, who do you uh, feel that they represent? I think they represent only women <laughs> <laughs> that were young, because <laughs> that's that's what it says. <laughs> okay, well, this is a very common metaphor, a very common metaphor of a covenant relationship. A very covenant, a covenant relationship is one in which there are two, two parties, right? 
that covenant together with God. And, uh, and one that is very commonly used is the bride and the bridegroom. And who is the bridegroom in this covenant relationship? Christ. And who is the bride? The church. So, and it is because that is how close they are, right? This isn't a contract between business negotiations, right? This isn't even a parent and a child. This is spouse. So the relationship between Christ and his church is he is the bridegroom and we are the ten virgins. Oh, sorry, men. That throws us off. But let's go with it. Let's see if it works. Are you gonna Are you gonna say online? Because I'm gonna give you an an A. I, I would suggest if, okay. that, that according to and I can't quote the scripture right now, but the saints will be saved when Christ comes, and the saints would be the followers of Christ. Yeah. Not necessarily members. The members of the church. Could, I no, I could go with that. I actually think there will be many who right. will have done the same preparation. Right. Non-members. Correct. I, I, I could see that, right? I, ten virgins, in my opinion. Okay, I'll go with that. Those who have prepared, it might be those who have taken covenants, and it might be those who would have. Right. But have lived good lives. Okay. I, I'm good. I'm cool with that. Are yeah. you guys okay with that? I think that's we don't know, I but I think argument. that's very Christ-like. But we'll go with it. Either way, in this room, it's you. Yeah. In the story. Okay? So you're there. The bridegroom is Christ. The end is coming. Now, in ancient Israel, the way the marriages worked, right, is that the um, two families, they, they, they would have the bride waiting, and they would get her all duded up and all ready, and she would be sitting in the, at the marriage chamber. And then the friends and family, usually the whole town, would be waiting, and then the bridegroom, and they would have them in a room and they'd tell him it was kind of like a bachelor party but they would tell him all the great things that he had done and how awesome and strong he was and they would get him all dressed up and everything and then finally the negotiations between the two families for the dowry and all that would conclude but it would go far into the night and that was part of the fun and so the whole town is waiting and they have their you've seen that i have one and i was i left it at work i know i have a lamp at work but it's a little clay lamp and it's like this big and i did try to light it <laughs> and it did not work. <laughs> did you have oil in it? I, I did put oil in it. I put a wick in it, and it just scorched. And so uh, that's a different metaphor. And um, yes, thank you, thank you. I will have a video of me later. Fail, Pinterest fail. Um, but they, um, you have these tiny lamps, and they really do fit, like in the palm of your hand, and a little bucket of oil. And you would be waiting, and so you're, we're the party. So we're out at our houses, and, and we're on the way, and you'll know, they usually know he's going to come down, you know, Main Street when he's ready. And they would cry out, you know, the bridegroom, the bridegroom's coming, and then they would light all their lamps, and, and then they would all fall in like a big procession and all the lights, and then they'd all go into the big uh, wedding and the wedding feast, right? And so they're all waiting, and it's always late, and everyone always falls asleep, and they fall asleep, and then they finally hear the call. The bridegroom's coming. And five of them, what's the story? Don't have enough oil because they used it, right? And it's just this little tiny thing. And um, they did not go to Costco and get, like, the big one. <laughs> and, uh, and, they, and they can't share it, right? It's something you can't share in the story. And then they go in, and then the five can't come in because they don't have their lights. 
And so when they go in, the Joseph Smith translations, they knock on the door. And the Lord bridegroom answers the door and he says, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, let us in. We, we ran out of oil. And he's like, it translates as, um, you never knew me. Right? You didn't know me. And they can't come in. So if the bridegroom is Jesus and those are his followers, what was the key ingredient in the story of how to prepare? What did they need to have had brought with them? What's oil in the story? <coughs> what is it? I couldn't hear. I think it's their relationship with the Savior. Good. Not just knowing about him, okay. knowing him. Okay. I like that. Any other ideas? I like that a lot. Relationship? We're out of time. Faith? Oil is traditionally seen as what? Does anybody know? The Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. So you do not have, you have not brought the spirit enough into your life that when these things come, you fail, right? And it's not something you can share. I can tell you I've read the Book of Mormon and I believe it, but I can't give that testimony to you. And put it in. Yeah, I think that's true too. I think it's drop by drop. Yeah. And it's our our daily actions each day to read the scriptures. Okay. You guys, awesome. And if you look at the very end of 25, serve those who need it most. That's how you prepare for the Lord's coming. Not saving cash or grinding wheat, right? Not knowing ancient Hebrew or making sure you have the most children that dress with blue ties, right? Or whatever it is. Or having the highest education or making the best career changes. It is serving those who need it most. That's how he ends chapter 25. Those, how will you know me? When you visited me in jail and when I was sick and when I was needy. Then I will say, you knew me. That's how we fill our oil lamps. Everything else is extra. Brothers and sisters, we're out of time. It's great scripture. And please take extra time. And if you see other insights about grinding wheat, let me know because I will never do that. But (laughs) I am very grateful that the Lord wants to comfort us as his servants and wants to bless us. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.